Hello, I'm Brad. And I'm Jason. You are listening to Dice in My Mind. I have been trying to get you for, oh goodness, it has to be seven years to play Star Trek Online. I know. And um, I played it for a while and then I stopped and then I don't remember what precipitated me going back to it, but I ended up like wholly addicted to it yeah. um, and suddenly realized that over the time I'd accumulated all this, in effect, currency or coin. Yeah. It's not the right yeah. term, but for the mm-hmm. sake of discussion. And I had enough to buy a ton of different starships. Right. So I bought a NX retrofit. looks like a mini enterprise. I think you sent a, me a screenshot last week. Yeah. Yeah. And I bought all these ships and just would just outfitted them to the core and then would go into battle with the board with my little defiant class and, and uh, scoot around as these big starships were trying to maneuver. And here I am maneuvering with this little defiant class or this little NX one class. Um, and was just totally in love with all the different ships in Star Trek Online. Now, Star yeah, Trek Online yeah. wasn't for a long time official canon. So there were well, storylines. Well, and it's not, it's, not. it's not, but it's really crossed over into gray it, area. And that's the thing. It's, and, it's gray. Yeah, it's gray canon now. And when what the one that uh-huh. really caught uh-huh. both of our attention was what? Well, oh, you mean the Enterprise F? Yes. Well, and when when it showed up in the Utopia Planitia uh, Starfleet source book with Modifius, mm-hmm. and we we had Jim Johnson on, and then we had Aaron Pollier on, and he talked about the creation of these things, right? The the stat blocks. Um. Yeah. When we saw that, respectively, it was like kind of a <laughs> moment, like, yeah. whoa, what's what's happening here? And then to extend it farther. We know that some of the designs, some of the ships from STO are now being canonized in Star Trek Picard. Yes. And so, I mean, it's truly great canon here where some of these ideas, they are of such caliber. And, you know, um, it reminds me, and I almost brought this up in the upcoming interview, and I didn't. I didn't want to waylay us, but it reminds me of the situation with Star Wars in the 90s. You know where I'm going to go with this, where yep. there had been a lull, and then the West End game came out. Uh, shout out to Bill Smith. And then, then when the movies were starting to come back, uh, uh, Lucasfilm went to West End and you basically look, you guys were in our vaults. We'd like to be in yours and all kinds of material from the West End source books, which I truly think remain some of the best RPG source book material ever to have been created for any system. You um, have been saying yeah. that forever. And when I know, they I know. reissued, um, Back in the day when it was yeah um, FFG when they reissued yeah. the 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 two book they reissued collector. the original the original West End source book and then uh, or sorry the the core rule book and then yeah. also the source book yeah yeah and um, phenomenal material 
phenomenal but, material. But back to Star Trek. So I have not yet played STO. Um, shame. I know. I know. For I shame. Uh, I'm totally negligent in my Star Trek timelines um, and Starfleet command or whatever, whatever they, I, I just, I, I just, yeah, I don't have, I haven't had the time and, and otherwise I can just, you know, it's, it was different when my girls were little and I would end up sitting somewhere like at the dance studio for an hour and a half. Mm-hmm. I could spend some time in these games. I think to your, to, to, to be perfectly honest with you, I think the problem would be is if you and I started playing it together, I think we would be done with the podcast. I, I think, think any available I, time we'd have would. I need to remain employable for a while longer. Yeah, My girls yes. have to go to college, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I just, I could see, I, I ended up stopping just because of work Yeah, um, and things got in the way and um, I haven't gone back yet, but. I did re-log in because I wanted screenshots of pictures of the ships. And look, let's just call it what it is. So the ship designs in Star Trek Online are gorgeous. Yeah. The, the artwork is gorgeous. And uh, I, I mean, I, I'm not a giddy kind of person but as I by nature. But as I said to you before we hit record on on this episode's interview i said to you you know i'm feeling it i uh i'm really excited about this one because uh we had the true pleasure of chatting with thomas morone the associate art director for star trek online and he was kind enough to waste his time with us to walk us through not just his own personal history and evolution as a, as an artist, as a creator, but also some of his design logic, his thought process of creating ships. And I did not expect that to go where it went. Uh, the, no. uh, I, I was so, I thought, okay, these are gorgeous, just absolutely gorgeous. But I didn't expect there to have been so much thought. These are not just skins. These are rather fully conceptualized starships mm-hmm. that he and his team are creating. And again, I mean, what more can you say beyond? And some of them have been canonized now. That is just I mean, amazing. When, yeah. yeah, it's amazing, especially someone who's played the game and has seen these ships and has wondered um, yeah. just cool stuff. So I think we should just get there. Yeah, let's go. Thomas Moroni is the Associate Art Director for Star Trek Online, where he provides multidisciplinary leadership on a long-running and successful massively multiplayer online role-playing game. His experience in live game development has taught him the importance of balancing speed and quality while maintaining relationships with their licensure, uh, licensor, is satisfying player expectations and building team morale. We have with us Thomas Maroney. Thomas, thank you for joining us today. So much. Um, we've been really looking forward to it. We've been, as an STO player, um, I've been familiar with your art. Jason is just because I take lots of screenshots. <laughs> so many screenshots. Um, from, my, from my fleet. Um, 
And so when you said that you would join us and talk about art and everything and Star Trek, um, you made our gay day. And I think Jason oh. got a little fanboyish giddy about it. So <laughs> well, I mean, there's just a real your 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 artistry, it's just your ships. Like right before we got on, I was I was back on your website, just you know, dragging around the models you have up there. And I mean, God Thomas, they're just artistically stunning and so realistic and i think for for someone for people like us who have been inveterate trek watchers right since the movie started coming out when we were really little right the ships have always been honestly first and foremost the characters like we were talking about this with jim johnson who's mm-hmm. modifius and right and just getting into how the ships are the characters and then and then we look at your your artistry and it's like who doesn't want to tell stories about these incredible machines and, and the adventures on them. So yeah, we're just, we're delighted to chat with you and, and to, to pick your brain. No, thanks so much. Uh, thanks so much for having me. I, you know, I, I, um, I always love to shoot the ship as I call it. We'll just get that one out of the way. <laughs> right ah, away. That's great. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you know, I, I think uh, I've been um, a passionate Star Trek fan since I was a little kid. I watched Star Trek with my mom um and you know she made she made us matching uniforms i think one of the first halloweens that i can remember wearing a costume it was a star trek costume that wow. uh, that she handmade from you know you could go used to be able to buy patterns in walmart right for costumes maybe you still can mm-hmm. i don't know but but mom bought a, a like a season one next gen uniform and she made a version for herself and then she scaled it down for me and and we had our matching star trek uniforms so it's it's definitely in my blood and um and then you know as i grew up i would just want like draw um starships in the margins of my notebooks at school and i actually was um going through some papers last night at my desk uh in the office um because we're we're kind of cryptic is kind of you know reshuffling we're doing fully remote work now so so we're going in and clearing out our stuff uh from our from our desks and i found some old notes that i took during star trek online meetings but i still was drawing spaceships <laughs> during those meetings it's like even even in my like star trek job i'm still like distracted by by star trek ships and have to keep drawing them so was was tng your introduction to star trek yeah yeah absolutely uh the next generation was um you know it, it, when it was on the air uh first run it was syndicated which was unusual for shows of right. that kind of caliber and budget mm-hmm. um I think it was syndicated because it was Star Trek and that gave the studio a bit more um, flexibility with how it could sell the show. Right. right. And um, so, you know, uh, in, in our market, in the St. Louis market, it was always on at like 10 p.m. at night. Um, and sometimes they rerun it like Sunday afternoons or something. And so um, I would, you know, usually we would tape it um, whenever a new episode came on and, yeah. and then we'd watch the tape in the morning and of course like you know i think i think that helped me become tech savvy in early age because i needed to know how to program the vcr to, to tape star trek because <laughs> it was not too late for me to watch when i was a kid and, and i sometimes very very rarely but sometimes they'd let me stay up if it was like a you know if it, if I, it was like the season premiere or something i think sometimes i got to stay up late and watch yeah like the, yeah. Did, did you yeah. did you get to do that for the borg episode or for the for the wolf 359 episode yeah i don't you know i i might have been a little too young to sort of understand like the the drama of that at that point um yeah, yeah. i would have been 
maybe nine or 10. I don't know. So okay. like, I think some of that might've gone over my head. And I think, I think it, I probably wasn't super invested into it as a show. I think probably until season four or five, you know, when right. I started, I right. mean, like, I remember, I, I, I'm pretty sure that I watched, you know, in um, Unification, I think I watched that when that came on. That was that was sort of like oh, season so five of TNG and then Undiscovered Country. That's sort of when I right. came into my own as a Star Trek fan and, and really, uh, it, <laughs> I, I, I'm sure my mom sort of was like, what have I done? You know, I created a monster <laughs> when I when I started getting into it way more than she ever did. Well, it seems to have worked out for you. <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's true i guess hey um, with the with the costumes were, were you were you engineering science or command oh, uh she made me a, a a command uh command you but i was an ensign and she was a captain of course that sounds about <laughs> right. uh, that, that sounds about right so she had, she had to set the expectations early on right away yeah so. yeah exactly <laughs> Yeah, look, if she's making the costume, she gets the pips. I mean, mm-hmm. that's just... Yeah. So I'm curious. It, so, I mean, have you... I guess you kind of hinted this, but have you always been an artist? Like, like just from growing up, I mean, have you always been drawing, always been doodling? Were you? Was that a, something that drew you, no pun intended, as a little kid? Or did something spark that? Um, yeah, I well, so um, my dad... Uh, for a long time in his career, he was a graphic designer and a draftsman. And, um, and actually my mom has, she never really, uh, kind of cultivated the same way my dad did, but, but my mom also has an artistic eye, um, that she's been exploring lately, which has actually been really cool to see somebody in their seventies, like That's pick cool. up a new hobby and then like really excel at it. in a, you know, in a way like she's a, she started painting and she has a great, a great style. And so I think, I think wow. it's, um, you know, I got lucky there. There were both both parents had a different kind of art, artistic inclination, and um, mm-hmm. and uh, it was just something that I like to do. I like to draw. I have my parents have pictures of like a the Enterprise D fighting some Romulan warbirds that I think I made when I was you know mm-hmm. eight or nine, and uh, still <laughs> like I still have it. And um, and Star Trek really fed into that. Like I think it captured my imagination, and I wanted to draw the the ships and stuff and so as i did that then you know my parents were very supportive of that as a uh, i guess a hobby first and then later an area of study right. um and it's just something yeah i i always done so you 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 went to school obviously and if i remember correctly jason you booked this up as well you got your mfa no bfa right bfa BFA, yeah, BFA. Yeah. BFA. sorry and then BFA. did you go into did you did you like go professional like right like actually find a job right after that um, I did. Well, I, yeah, so I, I got my BFA at Truman State University, which is a small state school in oh, northeastern cool. Missouri. Um, mm-hmm. it's a great, it's a great school. Uh, and I had a great time there. Um, and it's a, it's a, you know, it's, it's a state school, but it's very, uh, it's very academically focused. It's very, yeah. you know, the, of course the, their marketing material. And I think every college has the same sort of like, yeah. you know, the Midwest of, or the Harvard of Southern Kentucky or whatever, like, <laughs> but, <funny>. but, <laughs> but, but, uh, but Truman, you know, um, it was, uh, you know, it was a good school for a nerd like me. And there were, I met a lot of great, you know, a lot of other nerds and, and really bonded with them. And, uh, and so I got my uh, BFA in graphic design. Well, uh, the program was called Visual Communications, but essentially just graphic okay. design, right? Yeah. And um, and that uh, that let me open some doors, and I was able to get a job working on uh, websites for another state university in Missouri, Southeast Missouri State, 
Um, uh, and uh, I worked there for about five years. And um, uh, yeah, so that was my like early career was was doing web graphics mm -hmm. and, and website stuff. So, you know, primarily just like, you know, making some banners and operating a content management system and stuff like that. Um, and then while while that was going on, I was also, you know, still doing my own personal art. Um, I, I got really into this uh, military science book series or military sci-fi book series called uh, the Anna Harrington series by David Weber. Mm -hmm. And um, I, uh, I got hooked up with uh, some some people, some good friends now through that series. Um, and that was a really important time in my life because um, I could, you know, the the great thing about uh, the university jobs that I had uh, was that, you know, you, you do your job, you you work, but pretty much from eight to five for a, because I was support staff. I wasn't a, a yeah, professor. Yeah. I think professors have a very different, <laughs> have a very different um, work life balance sometimes. But, but for me, it was very much like, here's my eight hour work day and then I go home and I can play games or I can do whatever. I don't have to think about work, you know, after, you know, after I kind of clock out. And, um, and so I used that time that I had to do my, uh, do my own art. And so I, I, I started doing some like fan art of the honor Harrington based on the honor Harrington books. I got connected with these guys who actually knew the author of those books cool. and, uh, that's spun in this whole other thing. But I mean, one of the cool things about that experience was, the Honor Harrington universe and those guys uh, were very focused on um, kind of the 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 form uh, or excuse me the the function right the the why this needs to look oh, a certain yeah. way um, because this is how it works right mm -hmm. and um, and that ended up being a very foundational thing for me as I, I grew my art and went back into Star Trek um, because uh, it it sort of merely made me think a lot about the world building and visual world building that you do as part of a, you know, when you're designing a spaceship, like uh, it needs to, it needs to look a certain way because it, it has a job to do, right. It's, you know, why is an aircraft carrier flat, right? Cause they mm -hmm. need to launch mm -hmm. planes off the top of it, right? There's a reason it looks that way. And, and so, and bringing that logic back into Star Trek um, yeah. has been something I think that's been really helpful to me to find, ways to um, uh, elaborate on the visual language and think about the ships that I make and make them distinct, but also make them feel grounded in a way that um, that jives with a lot of stuff that people like Rick Sternbach and, and John yeah, Eves yeah. and Doug Drexler and Mike Okuda, all those guys thought that way too. So, okay. So that's so fascinating. So is there, is there like what, could you, could you give us an example, like walk us through the, the design logic. So like, is there, is there a ship that, comes to mind that you've designed where that the functions inform the form as you like something that maybe wouldn't be obvious to the mm -hmm. typical consumer yeah so um if we look at the uh the uss ross which is a ship that um uh actually is ties to star trek adventures uh as well um you know the, the tabletop star trek game um i uh so the ross was originally it was kind of a collaboration between the streampunks uh live play rpg group they they play a lot of they played a couple of star trek adventures game there were shields of tomorrow and then mm -hmm. um clear skies more recently and and blood of the void um and uh so we needed a for star trek online we're kind of jumping forward a bit but uh in my in mm -hmm. my timeline here we'll but, come back. but uh yeah as uh you know as the at, at the time i was a lead ship artist 
and uh i you know I, I got to have a lot of input in like what we were doing with the ships and uh, one of the things we were doing is we were building this giant uh legendary bundle of like taking all the hero ships in star trek and putting them in the one big bundle and each one got a brand uh -huh. new skin right yeah. and so when it came to the galaxy class enterprise d we had already done all the canon skins like all the all the your canon we, we say skins in the games industry that just means visual visual variants or you know um, um uh, visual styles or whatever mm -hmm, right mm -hmm. so like the 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 motion picture constitution class enterprise a would be a skin the tos constitution would be a skin you know that kind of thing yeah um so so for the enterprise d we had done the you know the enterprise d from the next generation we had done the refit galaxy class from the dominion war deep space nine right we had done a bunch of other you know sto unique uh galaxy class variants and so uh but we needed another new one and i i wasn't sure what to do but i started talking to the clear skies people and they were they were making a new show uh that was going to be clear skies and uh and they were like well we we want to do it on a galaxy class variant because we want to do something that's very much about exploration and diplomacy mm -hmm. but we're setting it after um kind of before picard but after tng and that you know 2380s yeah. era sure. Um, and, uh, and I was like, okay, cool. So this gives me an opportunity to do something that I, I hadn't done yet, but a lot of fan fans had fan artists had and very well, um, which was a kind of a hybrid, like what is a, a new version of the galaxy class post sovereign look like, right. um, in the, you know, incorporating features from the sovereign, which was, you know, the, the, one of the most, you know, you, you, um, uh, you know, the, the last up until you know, before Discovery started, before Picard, the the kind of the the ultimate uh, terminal kind of point on the timeline yeah. for yeah. Prime Universe Star Trek was like twenty three eighty or twenty three seventy nine or something right. with Nemesis, right? Mm -hmm. And so the most advanced Starfleet ship we've seen is like the Sovereign and the Prometheus. Those are the furthest we got in Starfleet ship design language. So, so what does that take on the Galaxy class look like? And so that became the USS Ross. Um, but, you know, I, I mentioned that it was going to be dip diplomatic focused. Yeah. And so what I did when I was thinking about the Ross from the exterior angle and talking about them, what that meant is, well, the, the Ross was going to go around and kind of, you know, show the flag to all these planets. And it was going to have a lot of like embassy functions and, and, and guests. And so it would be cool if they took the, the Enterprise D had this big arboretum, right? You can kind of see mm -hmm. it. From the back, the the motion picture Enterprise had a big arboretum at the in the engineering hall that you saw. Um, what if we took that and just like amplified it a lot? And so, um, so I imagine this this giant like deck in the saucer section that was basically like, like an open air plaza or promenade um, uh, that that went through the whole like pretty much the whole interior volume of a couple of decks of the saucer section and so i built in windows on the outside that you look when you look at the the saucer of the ross you'll see there are these blue um uh, windows kind of mm -hmm. midway in the rim of the saucer section and that's that's supposed to be like the windows in the ceiling of this giant promenade deck but that's all supposed to be one in big interior space um the other thing about the ross is that the the saucer section has its own warp core and so i built um on the the outer edge of the saucer there, uh, there are also these blue glowing features, yeah. and those are like little mini warp grills that are meant to be 
like I didn't want to just add a stick in a cell on the saucer section, right? So I wanted yeah. to find a way to incorporate warp engines of the saucer without it totally ruining that shape or just, you know, sticking on something else. So it's got these the integrated warp warp nacelles and there's some other features on there there's a warp core ejection hatch on the bottom there's a little mm-hmm. mini navigation deflector so all that stuff is built in because the saucer of the the ross can mm-hmm. is an, an independent ship that can take off and go to warp and all that so so that's a you wow. know ross is a good example of a lot of that thinking going into how the ship actually actually ended up that's that's in, that's incredible so you so okay so as promised to reverse course in a bit. You've been <laughs> with Cryptic for a while now, right? Yeah, uh, it'll be actually November is going to be 13 years. Wow. Or no, 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 that's wrong. Sorry, I'm getting, I'm getting <laughs> a little confused. So we're in November now. It, it's uh, oh, it's yeah. 12 years. I, I started in 2010. Oh, well, that's totally why I was thinking. No. Star Trek Online has been around for 13 years. I've been at Star Trek Online for 12 of those that's... years. Um, oh, that's so, um, yeah, sorry about that confusion, yeah. but uh, uh, yeah, I got hired. So I, I mentioned that I, you know, was doing web design stuff for university, yeah. um, and uh, and that was a lot of fun. But uh, you know, I, I when they announced that Star Trek Online was going to come out, of, of course, I got super excited, and I was, you know, I, I wasn't super like really into massively multiplayer games as a yeah. genre of game. That wasn't really the type of game that I that I, I played a lot of, but. Mm-hmm. You know, the promise of Star Trek Online was like, oh, the Star Trek universe is a place that you can go to. And you're like, oh, you can go to DS9 and you can go to Earth Space Dock and yeah. you can, you know, uh, at the time it wasn't there. But, you know, or well, uh, Vulcan was there and Doria was there, like all these like places in Star Trek you could go and explore. And I was just super jazzed about that. So I, uh, you know, I paid them as much money as they possibly could to get into the, <laughs> the open betas and everything. And um and uh, as I was playing early on, I, uh, you know, there were a lot of quests that were just sort of like walk up to this thing and press a button to interact with it. And then you got your, you know, you, you beat the mission or whatever. You scanned five things. Yeah. And uh, as I was playing that, I sort of I, I remembered that um, in Star Trek Elite Force 2, there was this little tricorder, uh, which is another Star Trek game from, you know, the early aughts, I think. Um there was this little tricorder mini game where you you scan something and then there were like two sine waves and you match the two sine waves, uh, you know, with your arrow keys and then that completed the scan and you got uh-huh. you know you advanced the mission or got a reward or whatever. It's like well that would be cool to have like little interactive mini games in Star Trek Online to yeah. to have a bit more of a like a gameplay element to the science of it right because because Star Trek is. There's some there's some action and ships blowing up ships and people shooting each other in Star Trek. That's just kind of it. It's an action sci-fi series to to some degree, but it's also should be about the science and discovery too, Absolutely. right? And so, how do you gamify that? And so the, the yeah. mini games yeah. is a way to do that. And uh, and so I made a bunch of uh, you know I used my graphic design skills to make a bunch of mock-ups of these mini games of ideas of hey, and I took the the STO user interface. And I, you know, I, I made these mini games in that, you know, like in that interface. So it looked like it came from the game, you know. Yeah. Um, and I posted that onto the 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 feedback forums. And um, and eventually there was a, a Star Trek Online podcast that was really popular that, that found that thread and did a whole sequence on it. And um and the the developers of the game actually watched that show. And so I don't think they had seen the thread necessarily, but when they saw yeah, yeah. it featured on the podcast, like, oh, hey, this stuff's really cool. 
Um, wow. And so the community manager reached out to me and eventually like um, negotiated a thing and they actually bought the art that I made uh, so that they could incorporate it into the game. And that, and that was actually one of the conditions was um, do you, like they offered to make me an NPC in the game. So uh, I was like, of course, <laughs> I want you to make awesome. Thomas Maroney into a Star Trek character. And uh, and so they did. And so he was at first he was Commander Thomas Maroney, and then eventually he got promoted to Captain. Um, nice. But uh, but yeah, so that's so that's how I got on their radar. That's how yeah. I got on Cryptic's radar as like somebody who had you know uh, artistic skill, I guess. Um, and then um, and then a few months later, there was actually a job opening at Cryptic for a web designer. Right. I don't know oh, anything yeah. about making video games at this point, yeah. but. I am a graphic designer, a web designer. Um, and so I, you know, and it was essentially the, the, my thinking was like, well, I don't really want to make websites for them, but I do want to work there and I want to mm -hmm. eventually mm -hmm. find a way to work on Star Trek Online. So I'm just going to, mm -hmm. you know, what to do whatever I can nice. to get my foot in the door. Right. Um, and so I applied and, and got the job and, uh, and then, you know, and then from there, <laughs> eventually I did get on the SEO team. Yeah, and I mean, just have been climbing and climbing and climbing. So you must have, do you do you have your fingers and or oversight of of any of the starships, all the starships that come out for the game at this point? Uh, yeah. So I that that's um my you know, my trajectory once I got on the team was I started as a UI artist who was doing buttons and user interfaces and stuff like that, and that you know that because of all the mini game stuff that I did. Yeah. Eventually, I moved over to ship art, and then I became the ship lead, um, who responsible for managing all the ships. And now I'm the associate art director. So essentially, I'm the kind of the number two artist on the game. I yeah. um, I report to the art director of the game, but I uh, help him manage the whole art That's team. So cool. But but ships are still kind of my yeah you know responsibility too. And so I I handle a lot of our outsourcing. I don't get to um build a lot do get a lot of hands-on time myself because i'm now mm -hmm. more of a manager but mm -hmm, um mm -hmm. but you know I'm, I'm looking you know i'm i'm working with all of our outsourcing partners and I'm, I'm yeah. mentoring our internal artists um and uh and so so i'm still still have a very close eye on what we're yeah. doing with ships and and you know pitching like here's what we can do or here's what we should do that kind of stuff yeah you mentioned <clears throat> you know <clears throat> pathfinder and prometheus class what was, you know, and this is a loaded question because I imagine you have a real affinity for any ship. Um, what is the favorite one? And it may, it may be what you already mentioned, the favorite one that you designed that kind of yeah. feels like, um, wow, this is really mine, you know? Yeah. Um, I, that's a, you know, that's a, that's a good, it's a challenging question because, you there are a lot of things that you know there's one thing where you know when you do a lot of different designs like this you know usually what happens is oh there are two things that can happen the first thing that can happen is the the thing you just did is usually your favorite right because that's just you know, what you remember spending your most you know blood sweat and tears on yeah. but the other thing that happened i think and kind of happens with me is like you start to like well i think i did this really successfully on this one design yeah. But this other design, I did this other thing better. And, you know, like you sort of pick and choose like the things that um, uh, that you you like and the things you don't like. And, you know, and that one of the things about being an artist and having a 
uh, it's important, especially if you want to have a career as an artist, you also have to have a healthy um, self-awareness about like where your room to improve is, right? Like it's, yep, yep. Um, you know, you don't want to necessarily get down on yourself all the time, but you do have to know, and the, all the best artists that I know, um, they can be totally incredible and, you know, top tier world-class artists, but they're still like, oh man, I, you know, I really messed up on this. And you look at it, it's like, that painting is gorgeous, right? But they're like, <laughs> no, I didn't get the the shading right here. And the lighting over there isn't very good. And the color palette could have been way better. You know, like uh -huh. they're always kind of, you know, looking at ways they can get better. Mm -hmm. But that's how you get to be the best is you, um, is you're constantly evaluating what you did. And, and the next time you, you try to do a little bit better, right? Mm -hmm. Um. Uh, but to, to answer your question more directly, I, I will say one of my favorites is the um, the Giorgio class, which is a uh, it's inspired by the Walker uh, class use of Shenzhou from the Discovery uh, TV show. Um, but it's uh, I reinterpreted it through the motion picture era lens. Right. So it's kind of a pastiche of the, the yeah. use of Shenzhou from Discovery and the 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 excelsior um from from star trek 3 and um uh and that's my favorite era of star trek period and it's my favorite era of star trek ships is the motion picture era the very oh. like art deco elegant design yeah. i think just is wonderful and i don't think it really has ever been matched and i think it's one of the the things about that era of star trek uh and star trek ships specifically is one of the things that really sets star trek apart from almost every other, maybe I can just say every other science fiction series mm -hmm. where there is a, uh, except I guess there's some anime, you know, that where they actually build elegance into the ships. But, mm -hmm. but I think Star Trek, as far as like Western film and TV, yeah. is one of the only uh, pro properties where like elegance was a part of the the ship design in a very deliberate way, mm -hmm. right? And uh, and I think it really comes across in the motion picture era. Yeah, you know, they get the Constitution refit, the the Miranda, the Excelsior, um, right. And um, and so uh, it was a lot of fun trying to work that into a to take something from modern Star Trek and reinterpret it through yeah yeah that lens. Well, and okay, and this is this is not a question. This is a statement, an observation, because I mean we don't know, but just that that makes me think of the Titan A they've been teasing for Picard. Mm -hmm season three and i'm just it's so different and gorgeous because yeah it looks like it's been ripped from the films mm -hmm. but for well i guess it'll be 2023 um yeah that just that gives me a i appreciate that that gives me a different uh perspective a bit better of a perspective of how to think about that how to watch that when we get to see what it actually looks like all around and inside mm -hmm. right because it does it looks very different than what what star trek canon has done for quite some time right like you know you think mm -hmm. you mentioned the sovereign earlier and like i mean i i think brad and i we 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 were introduced to star trek with the movies really back from when we were little and and the the motion picture but um but to me the the d will always be the height of of star trek ship elegance and that's just you know that's just bias because that's that was my ship right. but but to then see the um kind of the the ultra modern extreme where the starships went for so long right where everything was looking kind of sloopy and slopey and maybe a little to my eyes homogeneous and now you know listening to what you're saying about the art deco look which is not something i'd ever considered and just seeing how they're kind of retreading but still going forward just that's really cool 
right? Mm-hmm. I'm just very curious. It's not, not, I guess I shouldn't even say cool. It's just not a good or a bad team. I'm just fascinated <laughs> by where it's going to go, right? Because yeah. it's gorgeous no matter what. Okay, so this might be a totally unfair question for you. Um, and you don't, you don't have to answer, but <laughs> if money, work, like if there were no obstacles, right? If you mm-hmm. could just, if, 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 if STO or, or like Paramount came to you and said, we just want you to design whatever the heck you want to design and we'll pay you for it and we'll use it, right? Mm-hmm. If you just had, if you had to report to no one, if mm-hmm. this had no basis in reality, ignoring it sci-fi, mm-hmm. uh, is there something you would just love to create that, that may, maybe it'll never see the light of day, but just something that would really scratch an itch. Yeah, um, I, you know, I mean, this is, it was actually a good segue to talk about the motion picture era, because um, there is a, in the 90s, there was a game that came out, uh, Starfleet Command and Starfleet Command 2. Yeah. Um, those games were a lot of fun. They were very, they were actually based on board games called Starfleet Battles, which are very involved Um you know they're 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 com- uh, spaceship combat games, but they're very involved ship resource management games right. where you know you have your ship has a very limited power budget and you have to mm-hmm. fight the ship while managing like okay well I need my torpedoes need this much power my phasers mm-hmm. need this much power my engines need this much power and so they worked all that into a video game which is really cool but the 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 board game is is uh, the original series era and the the video game is actually motion picture era and the designs they came up with for that that video game were uh were awesome there a lot of them were new um uh new to that game uh but they you know they really embellished on that motion picture era aesthetic in in really cool ways and so mm-hmm. i i would love to just work on a modern remake of that game and really exp- like take those designs, flesh them out and, and have a lot of fun with. That, that is such a, such a guy I would play that in a heartbeat, such a trekky thing to say. I mean, what other fan base is like, yeah, let's really get into an elegant resource management game. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think, I think that sounds phenomenal. I thank you so much uh, for geeking up with us, letting us geek out with you vicariously. We just, we, we, we love your work. It just, it's stunning flipping through your portfolio. It's like, I could just look at these ships all day. And to know that there's so much thought of form and function, that, that that's, I gotta say, that's kind of unexpected. I mean, obviously these are way more than eye candy. These are like, you know, quote unquote functional ships. Well, thank you. I mean, it's, uh, you know, we kind of uh, touched on it early on about ships being, characters right and that's something i very very strongly believe that the enterprise is a character in star trek as much as anybody else and um and with star trek online um and also with star trek adventures uh you know working on the typically panisha book was a lot of fun um you know i love uh i love jim you know jim's a great guy and 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 aaron is super smart and all those people um uh you know michael who does a lot of the <clears throat> who's, who's contributed to that book too mm-hmm. um uh, al like um uh there's such passionate star trek fans and and they also get the fact that like that when you're building your your rpg experience of your your star trek adventure and you're your, your, uh picking at your crew that like one of the key components of that isn't just your crew but it's also your ship right yeah. selecting the ship that's going to be in your campaign uh, is kind of a, a sacred part about it and you have to have a lot of discussions in your session zero but like 
what kind of mission we're going to do, what kind of ship we're in. And the ship totally flavors the campaign in a, in a very real way. Right. It's like, Oh, we're going to be a, you know, we're going to be a scrappy uh, science team on an Earth out in the middle of nowhere. And, and, you know, we, we don't really have many resources or whatever. And um, versus, Oh, we're going to be a flagship galaxy class, you right. know, in the thick of it all. Right. It really, it really matters. And just like uh, Star Trek online where the, the ship you pick is a really important choice. Um, and, uh, and so uh, when we're doing new ships for STO, that's something that I, that I, uh, I take very seriously in terms of it's not, you know, that for the TV shows, it's like there are one or two hero ships, but for STO, like every ship could be a hero ship, right? Cause it's right, the players right. get to pick their ship and, and uh, do what they're doing yeah. um, with, with that. So um, uh, I think it's, it's just a, it's a, it's kind of a, not to oversell it, but it's kind of a sacred responsibility to me to bring these ships to life for people in, yeah. in STO. And I'm glad I got to, yeah contribute a little bit to the utopia panacea book for yeah. for star trek adventures because uh i think they there's a, the games have a lot in common especially yeah. when it comes to how players interact with their ships what a god what a beautiful way to summarize it with that sacred responsibility couldn't agree more thomas thank you so much for being with us yeah uh thank you so much for having me it was a it was a great time Okay, well, again, Thomas, thank you so much for taking your time with us uh, on the podcast. Um, uh, it, it, just so everyone knows, if Brad was uncharacteristically quiet during that interview, uh, it's because I had used the stunts. No, no, it's because- No, that's he, pretty much what it was. Yeah, I, he was having some tech issues, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but, yeah. yeah, thank you. I mean, just listening to him talk about and hearing him talk sometimes in the context of STO, you know, different skins, you can actually choose different skins and all that for the same class ship and all yeah, that. I yeah. just, I, I loved it. So I think the, before we wander over to the GM corner, I just want to pick up on something which I thought really was beautiful. Um, Thomas's essentially concluding remarks that he sees his stewardship uh, of of these designs of these starships, in his words, as something of a sacred responsibility because of what Trek is and because of what it has done. And um, I, I just thought that that summarized the whole the whole matter so well. Uh, if for, for those of us, you know, no surprise, you know, I'm pointing at myself here, but for those of us who take Trek so very seriously for what it is and what it represents, uh, I thought that was just an elegant way to put it. Yeah. All right. Let's wander over to the GM corner. I don't even know where to go after that. that. Well, so let me remind you, uh, I mean, somehow it's already December. Yeah. It feels like just the other day, November began. It does, doesn't it? It's weird. Breaking the fourth wall, we're still recording yeah. this in November. You're not supposed to say that. So, um, uh, but. Ooh, December, November was a long month. Uh, you know, uh, yeah, we'll come back to that. So, so what, um, what's, what's on your desk? What's on your mind? Um, I, you know, what. I, I, I lament the fact that I can't play STO as much as I would like to. Yeah. Um. That's the first thing. Um, second is since we've gotten through um, live play mm -hmm. with D and D, um, loved it, but it's got me hankering to play something different. 
Okay, say more. And what I mean by that is something a different, a different role playing game. And that's not again against anything else. I just I don't know if that means it's time for us to break out the Modifius books and the Rules Digest and and have at it. Or I think it is. Or or if we look at some, you know, we've done some we've done some Star Wars, we've done some D and D. We had a half baked attempt at Pathfinder when we first started doing it. We did no justice to Pathfinder. I have been reading the second edition stuff. It's phenomenal. I think that's something okay. we should okay. we should talk about in twenty twenty three. Excellent. Um, but I'm just I think so. I'm just thinking the game that we've talked about a lot, we've done some writing on, we've just we we need to do some Star Trek gaming. That plus um the other one that I really would like to do is I've done some moderate world building with um Green Running's modern age with the age system. And without going into a hot lot of detail, because it's somewhat conceptual, um, playing something that's modern day with a twist. So Interesting. I, 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 I've, this is something that I haven't talked to you about yeah. outside of this. So you're hearing this for the first time. And it's just nothing more than, than brain conceptualization. I haven't put anything to paper. But um, watching Picard season two. Yeah when they went back and they made sure that Renee could um, make her trip to yep. Mars. Uh, Europa. Europa. Thank you. Thank you to Europa. Um, what if we played at a modern age at the beginning of, a, or in the middle of a very early space race? Um, oh, okay. Hold on. Yeah. A slight twist on that. Yeah. What if, we played not an early space race. Oh, I've got an idea. What if we played not an early space race, but what if we played about a decade, like 20 years from now, where the Artemis program, or even 10 years from now, where the Artemis program was at the point of establishing a lunar base, maybe the Chinese were doing the same because they're working on that. Um, I was just reading about right the 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 upcoming Shang mission six seven and eight. Um, uh, we could use the incredible, the wonderful Fate Space Toolkit for some brainstorming. We could use uh, the classic Ben Bova Welcome to Moonbase. Uh, I mean, I'd be all over the world building of this if we wanted to do it where it's about 20 years from now, say, say 2030. That, that's yeah. I think that's, you know, like I said, I've just been conceptualizing it mentally. I think I want to use, we've talked about the Genesis rule set. We've played the narrative system. I really want to use the age system. You've been itching something. to use age for quite some time. Yeah. And I think this might be because, you know, Malcolm Shepard and team building that age system in the modern age yeah, yeah. material. Yep. I think we can use that um, and build something. And that can, that I think that's something we need to seriously look at in 2023. Yeah. I, I, to be continued everyone. Yeah. I got you thinking. And you you again, got me thinking again, folks, this is not something that he and I have, as much as he and I have talked about it, we haven't talked about this. So no, this is brainstorming no. ad lib right now yeah so yeah you've got me you've got me thinking that would be 
That'd be very interesting, very provocative. All right, to be continued. To yeah, be sorry, continued. I, I no, I ran, I ran right over your no, your no. I uh, I think we covered it. This is this is, um, yeah. You got me thinking because quite honestly, right now uh, I'm also thinking of okay, uh, what could we, what could I do around some of this, any of this, uh, with winter break coming up for me. Uh, as uh, when this episode oh. drops, uh, I'll have I'll be like a week away from winter break, and I'll have a week plus on my own before my wife and girls are off and before we travel. So it must be nice to have that kind of job, huh? Yes, it is to to, to avoid real work. Yeah, it's yeah. great. <laughs> um, yeah. All right. On that note. As always, thanks for being with us. Stay warm if you are like us in one of the northern climes. Be well, stay well. We will see you next week.